Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm your host, Paul. I am another host, Kevin. And I'm that guy that just shows up, Chris. <laughs> and tonight we actually have a... Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. sometimes. When sometimes. I don't fall asleep. Yeah. So apologies for last week. I'm apologizing yeah, on behalf of that. the guy who can't speak for himself. Uh, <laughs> so we have a very special episode tonight. We'll be talking about a game that I will be letting our esteemed guests introduce here. And so our guest is uh, the Mad Admiral, Calvin Bombdiggity. So Calvin, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Howdy, um, I'm Calvin, the Mad Admiral, and legal has advised me to read this copy. The views and opinions of the Mad Admiral is, are his own. He is not compensated or speak for War Cradle Studios, its subsidiaries, or employees. The Mad Admiral should not be taken internally. Exposure to the Mad Admiral may cause pupil dilation, rapid heartbeat, flushing of the cheeks and face, as well as swooning. Ask your doctor if you are healthy enough for exposure to the Mad Admiral. All right. Mr. Mad I'm so glad I didn't read that ahead of time. <laughs> I, I had to mute myself so I would not laugh over you. <laughs> Oh, the swooning was That's... was the high point for me. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Calvin, welcome to the show. Um, for people, hey, it's a <laughs> pleasure to be here. For people who don't know, Calvin is local to me. So where Paul and Chris are local to each other, Calvin is one of my locals. Uh, Calvin is a war host for uh, War Cradle Studios, which is the part of their organized play program, and they are the individuals who are the. The Flava Flaves, if you will, of the games in question. Many of us have occupied this role, but for right now, Calvin is doing that for War Cradle, specifically for the game Dystopian Wars. And if you've looked at the title of the episode, I'm sure you know that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So, Calvin, before we start talking about Dystopian Wars, why don't you talk to us about your journey into the tabletop hobby uh, and how you've enjoyed being a war host up to now? Gotcha. Well, the... I first really got into the hobby with 40k. Mm -hmm. I played 40k 8th edition, I bought a bunch of the boxes, thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then 8th edition dropped, and the reign of terror with the unpatched knights happened, and burnt out of it something fierce. Um, I've kind of taken a meandering path, the whatever war game couldn't run away fast enough was my new favorite at any given week. Sure. And eventually, um, a local podcast host put on a not-birthday celebration for himself called ChopsCon, mm. and local plastic dealer Noah ended up having a demo of this novel boat game. I gave it a go with a friend of mine, and it bit me very hard. It The game spoke to me in a way that other games really haven't, where just... Something about the mechanics, something about the models being so cool, and the dice goblet in me being able to roll giant handfuls of dice at a single go really just made the game stick. It's funny because I remember it. I just remember – because another thing, the visual that you need is that Calvin and I are both very tall. We're both oh, – we both stand taller than 6'3", and this is a man wearing a kilt and a tight t-shirt rolling handfuls of dice and laughing and I could hear him laughing from across the area that we had rented and I I didn't know what they were playing at the time but it makes sense now in retrospect it was a hoot yeah. um Jimmy is a wonderful opponent to play against and I he ended up splitting the starter box with me and it, the rest is history from there awesome okay so 
And there's just something when you find that game that speaks to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And that that 40k climb, boy, that is a that is a story we all know. <laughs> uh, yep. We've all been there. The um. So so Calvin, have you the interesting? Oh, go ahead. So the interesting part is naval wargaming is such a blank state. Mm. You know, people can have their own ideas with you know if they like historical or like sci-fi. No one hates boats in my in my experience. You know, people have had issues like, oh, I don't want to be the bad guys in this game, or oh, uh, grand scale warfare is a bit too much for me. Everyone who I've ran boats past has been, oh yeah, I like boats. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird kind of cultural touchstone. It, you're you're not wrong. Like, and I say that because uh, like I love boats. Uh, and my guy, my guys know I we, love we, boats. We we ha- we have an outlier. We do have an that. outlier. Just just <laughs> we, oh. we have we have a resident. I hate naval battle games. Yep. Well, right here, schooner or later. I'll give you. I'll have it. Have to have you a demo. But well, we we also we also have a community person who who's like I never I never envisioned myself as a as a boat. <laughs> oh. But 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 that doesn't necessarily. But the fact that you don't like naval war games doesn't necessarily mean you don't like boats in general and like. Oh, that's, and, yeah, that's okay. That's, fair. Mini that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like boats. I like going out in the ocean. I like being on a boat. I just don't like naval warfare. Miniature and games. that's because you and haven't played this one, right? So we'll. we'll <laughs> <laughs> I have played Armada, which is a very that's good true. Arm- Armada, while while being game. a game set in space, is definitely a boat game. Um, yes, that is not not an arguable point. That is a naval game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so Calvin, do you have any hobby? We, we like to talk about hobby progress. Do you have any hobby progress that you have this week that was significant that you'd like to boast about? So I ended up going up north for the weekend and hiding at my blood brother's house. Mm-hmm. He bought a two-player starter pack because uh, he wanted to change factions in the game and was going to split with me just pro bono. I was like, that's not going to stand. And I bought two extensions for it. We split that down the middle and I spent a lovely weekend uh, assembling plastic models and now have, I wouldn't call it an irresponsible amount of boats because the missus can still hear me, but I would say it's a totally responsible, emotionally healthy amount of boats to work with. A lot of boats. We like it. Uh, Paul, how about you? Any, any hobby progress for you, Paul? Yeah. uh, I've, I've, I, Finished up some some Gundam, and now I am getting back to the secret project. Awesome. Dun-dun. Yeah. Um, Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> I also am working on the secret project. What I will say is that I have been assembling rotten little bastards, <laughs> and I love them. I love them so much. They're so rotten, and they're so bastardy, and I love them. Um, I can't wait to see them done. <laughs> But also I went and I have so many of them, but also I went to uh, Indianapolis over the weekend to play uh, in a big competitive flesh and blood event, the calling Indianapolis. So I'm not going to talk about, I mean, we're not going to dwell on flesh and blood on the podcast for a while, but <laughs> it's worth noting that I didn't make a lot of model progress because I spent Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday uh, of the last week in Indianapolis playing somewhere north of 35 rounds of flesh and blood over those four days. Um, so much, 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 so many hamburgers consumed so much flesh and blood played. <laughs> That's a good weekend. Mm. That's a great weekend. Yes. And Potter. 
I know, um, I'm really confused about these secret projects. I don't know what's going on. Um, you have a secret project. Do I have a yeah. secret project? Yes, you okay. do. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You have a secret project. <laughs> okay, then I have made a lot of headway on my you, secret okay, project. Okay, yes, and it's true. If you're in the Discord, then it's not. So it's an open secret. Uh, yeah, it's, I was like, <laughs> yes. I was like, were we supposed no, to? No, it's, keep an, it's an open secret on the Discord. That's why you join our Discord. So okay. you know. mine is still secret though. Okay, um, mine's secret, secret because I haven't been painting in a long time, and I want to be like, look what I did. Um, is it is it what you is it what you sent us the, the, yes. day we were, the yes. other day? Okay. Okay, cool. Yes. So uh I made a lot of progress on my uh my secret project. I am almost done with the big box that Paul and I split. It's amazing. So, You've yeah. painted as many models in the last two months as maybe the previous two years. Which is No, that's not true. I remember <laughs> I went on that uh MCP uh craze that's there too, for like two that three is months. True, but like you still been you've been cranking out these models. Yeah, I've been trying to crank them out. Um, I'm I'm using my uh, my ADHD superpowers to my advantage. So when I can't sleep because my brain just won't turn off, I get up and I go Definitely. paint. That's what I've started to do during that time instead of just staring at the ceiling or playing on my phone. Good shit, smart too, and a good, good way a to get that hobby yeah. in. Yeah, yep. so you know the I'm downside powers the- to my advantage. The, the downside to Potter being so motivated is that the asshole in me is like, I'm not going to work on mine. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I've noticed that lately, dickhead. Not, not helpful. Well, it's the usual group project dynamic. You know, you've got one guy who carries the entire team, and you got the other guy who has to – someone has to be the ballast. It's it's like every time he sees a picture of a Gundam, I'm like, asshole, start painting. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Because he won't play unpainted anymore. So I'm like, come on. These models. And they're so good. The models you're painting are so cool. They are. the one, And, and, the, and I love the, the technique that you're using with them with the speed paints. They, they look great. Burrito. Dude, I love that stuff. So good. One 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 coat, like legitimately. Great. Yeah. Anyway, let's stop talking about us. Let's get to yeah, Calvin. Yeah, let's do it. So oh. the, 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 the topic that? du jour, uh, the <laughs> aforementioned boats and dystopian wars. So I'll, I'll intro this a little bit uh, in saying that Dystopian Wars is a game and people who have been listening to us for a long time will remember one of our – like one of the games that really got us podcasting and we spent a lot of – we spent many of our early episodes talking about it was Wild West Exodus. And that's relevant because oh, yeah. that's made by War Cradle Studios. And this is also a War Cradle Studios game. And it's not – not only is it a War Cradle Studios game, it is a direct tie-in with Wild West Exodus in that both games take place in their unified setting, which is called the Dystopian Age. So if you know anything about Wild West Exodus or its sister game, Lost World Exodus, which we're still waiting for, um, those games all take place in the same connected universe on the same timeline. Um, and so if you're familiar at all and you can go, you can go back and listen, we actually did some lore deep dives that are still accurate, um, to the, the setting of the game. And some of those factions are going to show up here. And so what I'm going to do is I am going to, uh, announce the, the, how this sort of what the broad strokes of the setting are. And then we're going to talk about the factions. I'm going to let Calvin break them down. And so basically, um, this game takes place just, it's like just after the civil war, right? That's, I'm, I'm trying to refresh my memory. Yeah. Age of imperialism. So ballpark 1800s. 1800s. Yeah. This post-civil war in its time period, which is slightly different than our time period civil war. Yeah. But what we'll say is we'll say some space shit happened 
Um, and again, go back, listen to our previous episodes, or read the very good lore that is available all over War Cradle's websites. Um, for free. For free, yep, <clears throat> uh, about the game, because there is a lot of it, and it is very good. It's actually some of – some. I mean, outside of like Infinity and Malifaux and Warhammer, it's some of the best lore out there. Um, and one of the reasons we got so heavily into the game to begin with. Now, uh, inside of that, we have the naval battles where Wild West Exodus were kind of skirmishes in the American West. <clears throat> this game, this, this is taking place uh, sort of all over the world uh, in the water. Uh, and we have a bunch of different very cool factions, which we will go down. It looks like in alphabetical order, starting with the Alliance. What can you tell us about the Alliance, Calvin? So this is a alliance. Uh, the French have expanded. They've got some more allies. They've also acquired the rebels from the American Civil War. Mm. So they hang out in Argentina and South America. Their whole shtick is that their boats can temporarily cosplay as planes. Neat. Uh, they could just kind of lift themselves wholesale out of the water. And they uh, have incredible short-range lethality. No other faction in this game can do as much damage in the point-blank Space. Now, also in the point blank space, are they the, maybe one of the weakest armored factions? Yes. So we would, we would uh, call they this... used to be. Oh, go ahead. They used to be glass cannons. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Yep. They, they used to be very glass cannony. Um, they've gotten a bit more huxpa since, um, but they're still very much a maneuverable based army instead of being able to stand and fight and brawl. Yeah. So still, still glass cannon, but less glass. Yeah, tempered glass cannon. Got it. Tempered glass cannon. I like it. It's windshield glass cannon. Uh, yeah. All right. Now, moving on to the next faction, the Commonwealth. The objective good guys of this game, and I'm willing to fight anyone who says <laughs> You can't say that because it's your faction, Calvin. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. All right. More okay. about I'm the sorry, Commonwealth. You... Uh, uh, it's Poland. It's Russia. And their whole shtick is that they are just good at being a navy hmm. it's 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 the bread and butter but it's re, it's on artisanal bread and this like micro batch butter got it it's good at what it does and it's got weird units but doesn't need to rely excessively on them it can just boat and boat most things to death because it's good at what it does got it sounds good so the the space marines now Moving on. Ouch. Hurtful. <laughs> Moving on. The crown. Uh, that is the British Empire. Mm -hmm. They're more resistant to morale effects as well as being on fire. Um, <laughs> they have a couple abilities that will kick in uh, when they are heavily damaged or crippled, as we say in the game. Um, their torpedoes are incredibly lethal, and they have a shield generator that procs more than the others they have kind of a shared network of damage removal that can just be shared across the fleet they also have access to the canadians which are interesting that's cool and so so if I, i've got this right this is the this is the faction that um and and every war game has this this is this your example would be some of your uh free folk maybe models where they actually get stronger as they take damage 
Yes. They don't, well, they don't necessarily get stronger. They don't lose damage output. Yes. So they, they're, they're just resilient. resilient. And I meant to say Baratheon. Yeah. Baratheon is what I meant, right? They stay strong to the last, which is good. That's very cool. They're one of the few factions that you can't really get away with kind of winging and leaving them alone. You have to sink these guys. Otherwise, they will just keep getting scarier. Got it. All right. Now, the Empire. I know we have a lot of Empire fans locally. What yes. can you tell me about the Empire? They have flamethrowers, an incredible body count, and turnover rate for their sailors. Um, and Their whole focus is inflicting disorder because no one is very good at operating machinery while on fire. And these guys have elevated that concept to a high art form. Uh, their stuff is fairly cheap and fairly weak in the stats, but what they can do for morale can lock down way more expensive boats just by setting them on fire and making them have a rough Dope. day. And they, they correct me if I'm wrong, they have airships that are shaped like dragons? Absolutely. <laughs> the Tian Longs. They have this giant, it looks like the festival dragons that you'll see during the... Uh, during Lunar New uh, Year. New Year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, we just we haven't mentioned is this the Jade Empire, right? So this is this is a conglomerate of Asian nations. Yes. Um, yep. Conglomerate and very flammable focused. <laughs> All right. We like it. We like lots of fire. I'm. This is a faction that I'm. I'm deeply interested in outside of the one that I've actually purchased. Uh, now. Uh, for our first um, faction that you'll get a lot of understanding from if you've played Wild West Exodus, the Enlightened. These are my second favorite faction. These are the turbo nerds who saw all this cool alien stuff knocking around mm-hmm. and just kind of John Galted their way down to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. They, If we're going for a 40k analog, it, they're like the Harlequins. Nobody plays like the Enlightened because they have just no shortage of special rules, unique generators. They've got stuff that can teleport. They got stuff that can uh, uh, time travel back to a point when it wasn't dead, when it dies. You've got um, stuff that can literally shake your molecular structure apart. It's just, it's weird science in all the best ways. And they're like nothing else on the table and whale torpedoes. Yes. So they looked at this perfectly fine blue whale and said, you know what we need to do? We need to fill that thing with explosives at a remote control. (laughs) Yep. That's just as an example for some of the big armaments that the enlightened have (laughs) some whale torpedoes. A lot of And that's not dissimilar from Enlightened. That's over the top. That's not dissimilar from the Enlightened in Wild West Exodus, right, Paul, Chris, right? Yep. They are yeah. oh, they yeah. are the same yeah. people. This is just their naval Yeah. Yeah. Section. Super cool. Yeah, it just sounds it sounds like it fits though, right? Like like you wouldn't be like, oh, these are not anywhere near the same, just just the name. Yeah, no, it's no, they're it's, the it's, same. Literally the same. Weird science, all kind of mm-hmm. you you just I'm just imagining that their ships are actually crewed by the like zombie automatons that they make, right? In mm-hmm. Wild West Exodus. Their mass their little bitty ships are actually autonomous autonomous or clockwork. Yep. Um it's vacuum oh. vacuum tube and just programmed wow. they're they're ship size robots, so they're harder to disorder because it's a robot. 
Um, and then the larger ships are usually crewed with people. Yeah, super cool. And, huh. and whales. Yeah, and uh, augmented people and too, whales. right? That's like sort of their whole. Yeah. Yep. Um, the. Yeah, it's it's an interesting faction. Yeah, I, sure. I love them. All right, mo- moving on to our next one, the Imperium. First off, who are the Imperium? Like, where are they from? This is one I'm not actually sure of. And then, this what is, is their the, style? This is the Kaiserreich. This is the German Proto German Empire. Um, these guys have a very powerful traditional navy, albeit kind of enhanced by weird tech. These are the expensive to play, but have a high body count potential. Um, they have access to some of the scariest ships in the game. There's one class, the uh, the Kaiser ship, where if it's on the table, you just kind of write that section off as a loss. <laughs> it's just, all right. it's not worth. They also have access to the Ice Maiden which is the this giant, yeah. it's about the size of a shoebox of just resin. It's a iceberg that had a ship carved into it that they use as this ungodly capital ship. Yeah, and if, if you, it's been, it's amazing. If it, it, I'm going to just like put a thing on. If you've never seen the Ice Maiden, the Ice Maiden is like the centerpiece model of this game. I'm trying to think of an equivalent. Like if you think of like your like Primark models from 40 K your demon Primark specifically, like that's the level of model that the ice maiden is. It is a man. He's not kidding. Shoebox. It's like like 16 inches from tip to tip, right? It's huge. It's a lift with the legs kind of model. It's, it's been mistaken for terrain at least a couple of times it, in our game. Well, it's an iceberg, right? Because <laughs> it, it, Exactly. Yeah, it's like, it's an iceberg with a runway on the top of it and cannons built into the sides. It's so cool. Jeez. That's pretty freaking amazing. It, 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 um, kind of fulfills the desire that I had as a kid to get the, uh, uh, G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Yeah. Oh, pretty uh, much. <laughs> Yeah, we have a uh, war host who plays Imperium exclusively, and they've done some really scary things with them. Super hmm. cool. All right, now uh, Wild West Exodus players are going to know the Sultanate under uh, uh, an allied faction of the Sultanate. But can you tell us about the Sultanate? This is the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a very high skill ceiling with a high reward for that skill ceiling. Their boats are made of paper mache. They have obscene speed and turning potential and have portals. Moreover, they could direct their fire through those portals in ways that you don't necessarily see coming. So their quote unquote mm. biggest gun is a teleporter to the literal sun that operates in picoseconds that just you sunny D people to death through portals <laughs> from the other side of the map. Oh my god! <laughs> best best explanation yeah, ever. That's pretty they've great. Got a, uh, and if you they've got a number of sorry. say if you're familiar with Wild West Exodus, then you know now we're talking about the Order, right? This is the same tech mm-hmm. that yep. the Order has. Um, and sorry, Calvin, I interrupted you. Uh, it's all good. Um, they're a very maneuverable faction, like even more so than the Alliance. Um, they can't really stand up to direct combat, but if 
the Admiral knows what they're doing for the faction, usually you won't ever get to that point. You have a whole fleet, and then suddenly you have a whole bunch of submarines. And it's awkward. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's, 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 it's funny because it's actually very similar to Order. Order is a high skill ceiling, hits very hard faction. And it's due to the lower numbers in Wild West Exodus. Yes. They have a lower number of models, so it's they don't have as much to absorb shots. Uh, but boy, their models are powerful and horrifying. It's a running joke is their main technological advance besides the teleporters and the portals and all that such is the ability to staple multiple hulls together. So their flagship is just two aircraft carriers stapled together. Yeah. So their heavy destroyer is just two single destroyers stapled together. And that's that's kind of a meme in the community. Oh, they look cool though. They look um they Oh, they're so neat. Yeah, they're very, very, very cool looking. They look like um catamarans, right? But like giant yep. catamarans. Um Dacamarans. Dacamarans. Did we just come up with that, Calvin? Did that just happen? Yes. Amazing. Now you have a name for them officially. Dacamarans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love it. And then Yeehaw, tell us about the motherfucking union. Well, the Union is another traditional Navy in the same way that the Commonwealth is. They focus primarily on their heavy gun batteries and can do really nasty things with them. Mm -hmm. They can choose to kind of make themselves a little bit more vulnerable to morale effects because all they're doing is just throwing shells into the cannon as fast as they physically can. Um, they're also entirely paddle boats, paddle boats. Mm -hmm. so there's no real way you can maneuver where they can't catch you in a broadside and all of their cannons. It's a very powerful shooting army that has access to iron giant robots. Yes, they do. They have so if you like giant mechs like uh, a la like Pacific Rim that are walking through the water, they have that. And as Calvin noted, all the ships have paddle boats, which is dope, or paddles, side paddles, which is dope. They look like giant river boats. They're so cool. I do have to call it audible. I'm terribly sorry. The Union doesn't have a Colossus just yet. Oh, okay. Um, their Iron Giant robots are kind of like a super flyer kind of unit. Got it. Um, the Imperium and the Commonwealth have a, as well as the Enlightened, have a um, the, Colossus. Those are the ones that have the Jaeger. We are getting one for the Sultanate. All right, cool. I'm sorry. Those are the ones that have like Jaeger style robots. Yeah, right. those are neat. Cool, cool. So now that's all of the factions. Now <laughs> that's a lot, right? So if you're, what's one thing to note, and we always talk about this when we're breaking down a game, that it's important that a player when they're looking at a game has a lot of choice, um, and there are sub factions too, right? Yep. Cool. Yes. Uh, typically, most fleets will have access to one or two um like for the commonwealth we have access to the polish air force as well as the ukrainians who is a submarine sub faction a sub <laughs> sub faction as it were sure. um, you have access to mercenaries um you can hire captain nemo to murder stuff for you you can hire um just strange cults you can hire russian mercenaries a lot of, lot of cool stuff you're never wanting for choice and that's really one of the coolest parts of the game is you get access to ship profiles this is before we get a model for yeah and so it's kind of like a teaser it's like oh hey look at what's coming out of the pipe and also 
never wanting, never being forced to stay with the same, well, it's never being forced to stay with the same fleet because there's no other options. It's not like you're playing Dark Eldar where you don't get models for 35 years. Right. Yeah, this game has War Cradle's attention right now. Oh, and oh, yeah. There's a there's some reasoning behind that too. I think they have they have publicly stated there's there's like, uh, like it's because it's the, it's like the one game thing that they have where they don't really have a direct competitor, right? They are mm-hmm. sort of by themselves mm-hmm. with this game, and that's why they put so much energy into it. Um, and it's taking off, right? It's paying dividends for them right at the moment because it seems like it's a game that's constantly gaining popularity. Yes. We've got a yeah, it, local uh, local club that me and a couple other guys made. We've got 35 people in there. Uh, the official oh, war, wow. uh, Discord has a lot. Yeah. A lot of a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Paul, what were you going to say? So I have a quick question. Sure. I have a quick question. Um, is there any type of uh, Warrior Nation type stuff in there or not, no? Not just yet. Um, theoretically, you can say that your boats are uh, crewed by Warrior Nation, but there's no bespoke Warrior Nation vessel. Yeah, I feel like I feel like at some point there was going to be like a larger faction of them, and mm. I don't remember what it was. Um, maybe maybe it was getting more into Lost World Exodus because they were talking about yes. how it would be more uh, natives from like native cultures from around the world. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah, that was that was that was Lost, uh, Lost World Exodus. Lost World yeah. Exodus. Is it Lost World. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Ignore me. All right. I don't know what I'm talking. We always about. do. So, Ouch. Well, that's. Let's. Good. I recommend. It. Let's. <laughs> let's get into the broad strokes of the game here, Calvin. What is the table size necessary to play? Uh, uh, to play Dystopian Wars, or and also what kind of terrain and what level of terrain, like what percentage of a board is covered when you're playing? Gotcha. So you could play a perfect. The official way to play Dystopian Wars is on a six by four table. Okay. You can have a perfectly fine game on a four by four as long as you limit the points for it. Got it. Um, typically, we field about twenty five to thirty five percent of the table is covered uh, with terrain. That was a mistake we made early in the system. Was our thought process was it's in the middle of the ocean? Why would there be all this terrain? And then it just boiled down to rocket tag, where it's well, I got my salvo off first, and now you have nothing to salvo back. But also, like that's not where, like traditionally, like naval. If you look at big naval battles, they don't happen on open water, like like deep ocean open water. It's usually near land, right? So yeah, you there is there is yeah. precedent for there being terrain around. Absolutely, and we did some research, and we kind of. Asked the official rulings on this before I was a war host, and we we got it dialed in more with terrain. And while you could have a perfectly fine game on a four by four, there is something magical about a two thousand point game on a six by four with the appropriate terrain. And it's just, it's honestly breathtaking. It's like looking at a fully painted Adepticon table where. You've got all these cool units here, and you got all this cool stuff over here, and everything is just neat. 
All right. Now, given that you've got 25% board coverage, and I like that. Like, honestly, when you said that, I was actually relieved because it's been a while since I saw the game in action. And the first time I, the first and only time I played it was that same thing, demo at ChopsCon. And I kind of felt like it was just <laughs> like who can fire the most shit the fastest. Um, yeah. And it, it's good to know that that has changed. Yes. Um, it's definitely. It's also based on what kind of game you're shooting for. Um, I, I can get into a tangent about Wisconsin protocols once we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, typically a four by four or a six by four if you really want to, if you have the time to spare. Mm-hmm. Got it. And so, how many models are we looking at for the two thousand point six by four game? Uh, typically, that's going to be two battle fleets. That'd be a flagship each. Three six. Figure about uh, 15 or so. Typically, you would field your flagship, which is one, a number of escorts, two or three kind of bread and butter units, so three each, and then a handful of weird, quote-unquote, support units. So 10 to 15 isn't unreasonable. Okay. That's not terrible. No, it's not. I I thought it was going to be a lot more than that, if I'm being honest. You can... um, you can end up buying a fleet box and have a totally viable fleet just by building what's on the box. Here's your flagship. Here's a bread and butter. Here's a bunch of mass ones to throw headfirst into the enemy. And that's an entirely valid option. And how much money does that force cost a person? Uh, so depending on what size of fleet you're getting, your support and front line are just plastic sprues. Yep. Those are about 25, if I recall right. I don't have the numbers in front that of me. That sounds right, yeah. Sorry. 25 bucks for, a, for uh, a fleet box, yep. Then the, the support box. Our, the fleet would be running the gamut between 50 and 70, depending on how much cool you're getting. If it was a like a Gen 1 Moyazki or a Borodino, that'd be about 55 bucks. If you're getting more if you're getting larger units like the death donut from the commonwealth or having to the ice maiden that's going to be flirting closer to 100 but you get a lot of stuff in those boxes right it's not just the one ship it's a whole fleet that correct. you get in those boxes yeah correct, so you correct. spend a hundred dollars and then once you build the box you actually have a points accurate you can play a game fleet for a hundred dollars. That's kind of what I was shooting at by asking that question was like, are we in that like a hundred to $150 buy-in gets you a full list with options. And it sounds like the answer is yes. yes. A hundred, yeah. A hundred, 150 bucks gets you a resin box, a couple supports or a couple of frontline, depending on what you're fielding. And that's entirely valid. And it's, it's wonderful. The buying is very easy to do. All right. So now let's talk about. So I have a quick, I have a quick follow up on that chops. Yeah. Um, So with this, like I know with W with wild West Exodus, uh, it always had the, the gubbins box. Um, And so you could buy the uh, kind of faction starter with or without the gubbins box. Uh, Does, do you get the gubbins or do you have to buy them separately? Uh, So it's actually interesting that you talk about this. Um, Previously, it used to be just buy a Gubbins or bully someone to split a starter box with you um, right. and then get the Gubbins. Now we're coming out with single-player starters where it's just this given faction. It's a flagship, number of sprues, updated cards, uh, templates, whole nine yards. 
Mm. That's yeah. good. Mm. So those like we're, everyone's very excited about that. It also comes with this giant map that has had a lot of people foaming at the mouth. All right. It's like a, map as in game board map or a political map. Like oh, fun. who oh. owns what where. Ooh, neat. I like that. I, like that I support a lot. that. I was like, I like I like a good I map. I do too. I but, I too like a good map. <laughs> the part about this is outside of the models themselves, everything that you would need for the game is downloadable. The Orbats are free online. It's not a 40k, you have to buy a book, and then it's out of date, and then it has to get patched, and then it's out of date, then you buy a new book. The Orbats are free online, the rules are free online, the templates are free online. Um, There's a conversion metric to convert standard Yahtzee dice into the cool murder cubes of War Cradle. Yep. So everything but the models is downloadable. Yeah. Even the cards. Good. So we're talking about a Corvus Belly situation, which is that yeah. the only thing you need to actually buy is the models. Um, and also just to to clear it, uh, Orbat means order of battle, and it's essentially your faction's codex. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, okay. I was going to ask what yep. that meant. Um. So. Um. Calvin, you said uh, you mentioned sprues. So one of the things we always like to ask about is, do do these boxes pass the Christmas morning check? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can answer that question. They do not. I didn't think when you said when when he said sprues, I didn't think so. But I like I wanted to ask. So Calvin, I'll describe the Christmas morning test. So this is something that was Mm -hmm. come up with uh, by Matt at Steamforge Games, and so it's that can you go from taking the shrink wrap off a box to playing the game in less than a half an hour? Uh, and the answer is no. Unfortunately here. not. Absolutely not. Yeah, this is a... So there's... there's this still, is a there's hobby miniatures game. Awesome. Yep. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Yep. And not only that, one thing... I'll, they are... Oh, go ahead. They are very intuitive models. Every the, the sprue is laid out intelligently. The models go together very well. Um, yeah, and and so they they are genuinely a joy to assemble and to paint. It's not like a uh, trying to deal with fine cast or yeah. This is uh, actually like the, a, I'm I'm happy I can actually talk about the game a little bit competently here. So for people who uh, are curious, Calvin's 100 percent right. The way these sprues are laid out is that like the ships come in classes, right? So they're like frigates or battleships or whatever, right? And then in are cruisers, and like inside of that class of ship, in the factions, they will have uh, different things. So for example, the Union cruisers, uh, it, at least the ones that I know of, can be like the Yorktown, the Lexington, the Intrepid, or the Reliant. And all of those, all four of those ships come on the same sprue. And it's just using different parts on that sprue to assemble the specific ship that you want. And there are build instructions for those. Yes. Um, It's all about what gun battery gets put where and what kind of citadel you have on there. Mm -hmm. What kind of weird stuff you build around the hull. Yep. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um, and also another neat thing about the game is talking about the gun batteries is that they're, they're also, um, you can magnetize them, right? And magnetizing yes. the guns allows you, like, I know, for example, with the cruisers, you have like here, we're talking about the Yorktown, Lexington, Intrepid, and Reliant. If I remember correctly, 
really what you're building is either a Yorktown or Lexington or an Intrepid or Reliant. And then the difference between those is the guns that are mounted to the hull. And so the guns are, you can magnetize to switch between the two. Um, but you, so you have one chassis that can be two boats uh, and that's doubled on the, on the sprue. So you go from four to two, depending on how you assemble the hull. And then those two options are magnetizable by the guns. Is that correct? Very close. Okay. It, it, um, it's not like what Spartan used to do. Spartan used to have bespoke models that were this one configuration. Mm-hmm. You made your cruiser, and it had this weapon on it. With the new War Cradle version, as long as you have a mounting point for it, you can typically take that weapon. Um, the differences between the cruisers, like I said, are mostly where the guns are positioned on the boat, and if it ha- what guns it can take. Like um, the presence of a light gun, presence and direction of where the heavy guns are, stuff like that. Got it. Cool. So it kind of sounds similar to the way Privateer Press has moved to doing their work. It is similar to that. Yep. Yeah. You've got some absolutely crazy people online where they will magnetize the entire assembly. So it's like battle Legos. You have your center and then you just slap on the prow you slap on the aft and you have this boat it's like oh well now i need this version so i'm going to swap out this prow for that prow and that has that's magic more than i can muster yeah i can't i couldn't be bothered for me i'd put them together and then magnetize the gun batteries um Mm -hmm. all right so let's talk about an important thing for us and that is activation style what is the activation style of this game calvin Alternating. I activate a unit, and then you activate a unit. Then I activate a unit, and then you activate a unit. And a unit there are cards that let you break that. Sorry. Oh, say a um, unit here is a single ship or groups of ships or single ships. Depending on what the ship is. Typically, flagships will activate alone. Those are your big resin chufty boys. Mm-hmm. And then the smaller ships have to hang out in groups for their own protection. Got it. So typically you will field one you'll activate one squad or one HQ if that's a yep. better explanation. Yeah. yeah, so this is similar to the other side. That's how the other side works too. Okay. Um so alternating activations. Now uh let's get into the you, you talked about one the the dice goblin. Uh let's talk about combat resolution uh and feel free to dive as deep as you want here how how does combat in the game work and how is the combat resolved while you are playing the game so the weapons boil down to a series of brackets you have point blank which is zero to ten you have closing which is 11 to 20 or you have point blank you have closing and you have long which is 31 and up and then you have extreme, but that's a different band entirely. And different weapons will operate at different levels based on proximity. Mm. A uh, rail gun can reach out and touch a guy from the next zip code, whereas a flamethrower needs to be fairly close to flamethrow. Mm-hmm. Um, the best example would be gun batteries. These have a very, very clear sweet spot. They're pretty okay at point blank and long but they really shine in the middle one uh, in closing so it's a lot of maneuvering to get to where you need to be each gun each weapon then has a lead value and a support value so in order to make an attack you group 
all of the weapons that can support each other into one pool. So, for example, if you've got three heavy gun batteries shooting, you have one with its lead value, and you have the other two with its support value, which is a smaller number. Then you take all those dice, roll them, and you uh, roll that number of dice. You've got heavy counters, which don't do anything for firing, single counters, which don't do anything for firing, blank, which can usually be manipulated, single hit, double hit, and exploding hit, which is my favorite part of the game. Um, each number of hits will affect how much damage you do. You add up the number of hits until you equal the armor, and once you go over the armor, that's a point of damage. Uh, the exploding hit is where it gets interesting, because that lets you roll another dice, and that could potentially proc as long as you can keep rolling critical hits. So like exploding that. dice re-explode. Yes. Got it. You can basically roll a 20, and then roll another 20. And then roll another 20. Got it. And that just keeps adding more and more and more damage. And it's this beautiful kind of runaway hits are awesome. And then I, I want to make sure I understand it. So each each point of damage is one entire band of armor. So if your armor, let's just, as a, as a theoretical level, if your armor was 12, each multiple of 12 successes is a point of damage? Correct. Every multiple of your armor is a point of damage. There's also the citadel, which is kind of like your critical hit. You have armor, which is, let's say, for this example, six, and then you have your citadel, which could be 16. If you go over the citadel, a critical effect happens, which is kind of a lingering injury that happens. Some people will have their reactor leak. Other people will have their magazines explode. Sometimes the magical MacGuffin material just rockets your ship forward a high rate of speed you can't do anything about this got it and so this is actually similar to wild west exodus 2 where you're imparting status effects yes uh sometimes it's more it's a lovely tack on effect where it's not only did you get shellacked by a salvo you're also dealing with no shields or you're dealing with no defenses against the next attack very cool uh Paul, Chris, how are you feeling so far? Like, where are you, where's your so, interest level? I, I I have a quick question before we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, are they custom dice? Yes. Yes. Uh, there is a table to convert Yahtzee dice, but they do have a small, I want to say six millimeter dice with bespoke markings on it. Yeah. They're, they're, oh, if you look oh, at wow. the Cheswick. Okay. So you are, so you are rolling a, a bucket of yes, dice. If you look yes. at the Cheswick um, size dice, they're mm-hmm. the, you know, the bigger, the, the smaller dice, the smaller Cheswick size, like, you know, yep. you have the, the bricks, mm-hmm. it's the smaller, like the smaller dice cube. They're that size. Um, and they're uh, very pretty good. and also if feel you... satisfying to hold. Like they have a very good dice. Yes. feel. D six or D 10, like wild west. D six. Okay. It's, it's helpful that they're small, because if you're playing with Wisconsin Protocols, you have these giant handfuls. Uh, roll If you're skewing your stuff right, rolling 30 or more dice in a single go is not unheard of. Wow. Dang. Wow. It's like playing Tyranids. Yeah, so a, a good, <laughs> like, uh, dice box, or I've got a dice tower I routinely forget to bring really helps a lot so you're not having to go to the next guy's table roll it on there oh a dice tower is fun because it's kind of like a pachinko machine of destruction and every time you have more explosive hits you just (laughs) drop more into the tower i love that yep 
Yeah, especially with that many dice, it's like clap, 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 yeah, clap, that's, clap, clap, that's clap, real cool. I'm into it's, that. It's I'm on board with that. Satisfying. Sure. All right. Um, I like that. So, so, and we'll do one more topic, and then we'll actually gauge interest level to this point. And so that's gimmicks. And the reason I, I'm bringing in gimmicks is because Wild West Exodus has the deck of cards that is super cool and it, i i still to this day think it's the the best part of wild west exodus and the thing that like makes it much cooler than a lot of its contemporaries and i know that this game has a deck but i don't know how it functions so so th- sorry the deck is there to help you score objective points and also provide a uh, temporary buff um for 40k analogs it's like a factional special rules where you can burn two cp to gain plus three to your space marine super attack because emperor something right um you start at the start of the game you draw a number of cards into your hand and at any point you can either play it for the valor effect which is that temporary kind of bonus if you meet mm-hmm. the requirements, you can play it for a victory effect, which will gain you additional VP for doing a certain task, like killing a mass three, assaulting a unit to death, any number of things. Or you can use it for Fortunes of War, which is when someone plays an effect you don't like, you can say, au contraire, and play a card from your hand that has a higher value. Mm. Oh, interesting. So it's... Fortunes of War came out originally as Command and Control, and then the name got changed because we kept making jokes about it. <laughs> um, and now it's a really interesting mind game with the game. Is You have a cool effect, but how certain are you that the other guy doesn't have a counter to it? How certain are you, or how w- far are you willing to bet to make sure this effect goes off? Because the highest unit in the deck is a 60. A 60 is all but guaranteed that your special Valor effect will happen. But that's also a really, really good card. And that's So, so... do you want to use your weak cards in hopes to bait out the other guy? Do you want to use your strong cards to potentially put yourself at a disadvantage later in the fight? That's really cool. So while the Sexodus cards work very similarly, it's a powerful effect. It's a victory point effect or it's initiative. Right, but the, it sounds like the initiative mm-hmm. part of this game is actually a lot more interesting because rather than initiative, it's kind of like a counterplay aspect, um, which is uh, that I may have explained this wrong. I'm I'm terribly sorry. Okay, the initiative is high card. You can play a better card from your hand to have a higher initiative, and it's just it's like a war. High card will choose if they want to go first or if they want to hold their nerf. Got it. Uh, the I'm, I'm I'm terribly sorry about that. No, it's okay. But like you said, you can play, but you can play the har- the higher card to cancel an effect, right? Yes, as long as you have the abilities to do so. Yeah, and that's not a thing in Wild West Exodus. Like you, it, you use no. them for initiative things in terms of how you go first or whatever, but it's not used to cancel effects. Which is a very, like, that is a entirely different and, like, mind-blowingly cool aspect because it gives the cards a third use. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, and that and that really, that gives you a lot of, 
I mean, honestly, that's uh, very Malifaux. It is very Malifaux. Right, because mm-hmm. then you're bluffing. Yep. It, it gets into so much your hand and you're bluffing. Yeah, that's that's straight up uh, what everybody loves about Malifaux. Yeah. It's interesting because some of the really cool effects, most of the time you need to have Fortunes of War, which is a fairly common... It's not rare, it's just on a very specific chassis. So, like, your bread and butter units will have it. Your uh, quote-unquote generic flagship will have it. Certain named squads will have it. And it's very, very helpful. But it's also not a requirement. You can trade Mm -hmm. the effectiveness of Fortunes of War for a couple extra points to get a larger gun. But then you're relegated to taking every Valor effect on the chin. Mm. Right. Mm. So it's interesting. There's, like I said, there's no shortage of options, and there's a lot of, there is a bluffing and a mind game involved. And it's a lot of fun. Very neat. All right. So, Paul, Chris, how are you feeling so far about the game? Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I, I like naval games, so I mean, it's very intriguing to me. It really is. Yeah. Um, I think, especially with the the way the card system works. I think that's that's really neat, um, uh, and the Ice Maiden is just insane. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a, real cool. That's that's certainly <laughs> certainly a model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and and you know, I get I get pulled in by those those uh, big ass models that just look amazing. So that's One yeah, of my freaking awesome. One of the other war hosts is a diehard Imperium player, and he's a very prolific painter. This guy can crank stuff out like no one's business. Took him two weeks to paint that full thing. It's just so much, and there's so much detail. Like, one thing we didn't really touch on is how beautiful these models are. War Cradle resins miles above everyone else's resin. You can count the rivets. That is is true. Objectively true. You can count the floorboards and the deck. You can... Wow, yeah. it's Ob- so cool. Objectively like it, true. It's, you can paint it up to really highlight how much detail it is, but you can also just slap a coat on and say, eh, paint it. And it doesn't do it a disservice because the model is so objectively neat. Yeah, I'm pulling my constitution mm-hmm. out to take a picture of it to send to them so they can see what you mean. Because, um, and then uh, also I'm going to put it on my mat so you can see how big, because the constitution itself is like, it's like, it's like five and a half, six inches long. It's like a very big ship. It's a huge model. Like in terms she's of, she's a girthy girl. Yeah, it's a, she's a, she's a big girl. Um, so Calvin, why don't you, if if you would, um, give us a little bit, like, give us now that we've talked about it, right? We've we've sort of done like the airplane view, but like go into what you think are some of the like coolest things about the feel of the game and the thing that sets the things that like set set it apart for you, um. And then like we'll and then I'll try and go in on a few of the other smaller mechanics to see if I can clear those up so that people have a better understanding of how the game plays. But like, how does the game flow? You know what I mean? Sure. <clears throat> the game flows like a bar fight in the best ways. It's just these large models just trading haymakers in the middle of the board. Um, there's damage feels scary because you're rolling so many dice and you're seeing armor get lost. It's this large, we've coined the term brawling where you just have generic cruisers and you're just trading haymakers in the middle of the board. You've got blitzes 
where you just try to alpha strike the guy in the first couple of turns. So, so I, I want to say uh, the way, the way you're describing that though, Calvin, it reminds me very much of uh, the experience of playing battle tech where yes. you are, you are essentially forced to be um, the admiral, right. And you're watching everything go to shit or go well. And um, I think it sounds, it sounds like that comes across as part of the experience of the game. Very similar to that. Cause everything feels heavy. You've got boats that only can, like in uh, Armada, they can only turn so far. They can only mm-hmm. move so fast. And the templates can only help you as much as you let them. Um, stuff's only moves at a speed. It, it's just everything feels heavy and dangerous at the same time. I like that. That's that's something that I always, always like in a game. Because that... <laughs> That kind of reminds me of Song of Ice and Fire, right? Where you're kind of like, all right, I have multiple decisions and they're all bad. Yeah. Sometimes there's no good play. It's what are you willing to lose at any given time? And I've that kind of leads me to a slight tangent, um, if that's cool with the hosts, is about different metas. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as a war host, we have access. We, we talk to a lot of folk and I've kind of noticed two different trains of thought. You've got well, how they play across the board where everything is very skirmishy. It's highly objective based. You're getting to the point and you're trading shots along the way as a secondary thing where you were. The goal is to cripple the other guys so they fire with less effectiveness across the board because a heavy gun battery can drop almost half of of its uh, firepower if it's injured hard enough and their focus is more gaining the points because you're on where you need to be then you have the wisconsin meta which is what i've coined it um the running theory is that all the wisconsin players we're in our 30s we're married generally most of us have kids and we only have so much time in a week to play with our little toy toy boats. So the best way to get multiple games in is to expose where your jugular is and go straight for the other guys. You take massive handfuls of dice and typically remove one hostile boat per shooting activation. And you just move on from there. So games can last maybe two, two and a half rounds before everything is just littered across the board wow that's, that's my that's my that's my kind of <laughs> i like Potter that. likes to choose I, violence I, smash let's go i've got a bit of a reputation by taking the richter which is the single coolest ship in the game it is a giant gun that happens to be largely considered floatable um <laughs> <laughs> the can the cannon about the uh ship is that it fires ammo so large that it needs to be teleported in from a uh, vault in Siberia. If you're on the deck when it fires, you get pulped. It's just this giant stupid wow. gun out of hull and I love it. That's amazing. That's crazy. So again, thematically, uh, they're spot on. Yeah, yeah, they really they really get it. They're nailing it. <clears throat> 
All right. So we, I mean, we talked about a lot of the stuff I want to talk about. We talked about how the different ships and their roles, what they mean, what Citadel is. We talked about Citadel, right? Um, and you actually hinted about how hard or easy it is to sink ships. And it sounds like if you really direct fire, you can put a boat down every time you activate if you're really focused on it. Is that right? Just about. Um, typically, if you have a destroyer-style ship where you're designed to just shoot ammo downrange, you can absolutely sink a boat in a single go as long as that's all you're doing and it's in the appropriate ranges you know and there's good and bad days there's days when i've got this giant apocalypse cannon and i can't even you know wing a mass one then there's other times where you've got the little work that could this little dude in a rowboat who takes out this giant flagship mm-hmm. very cool. and that's one of the um so, so listening to you talk about some of that, Calvin, I, I got a question. So you're talking about, uh, you know, ranges on stuff. So mm-hmm. is it just that there's a shorter, uh, like, you know, it's 10 inches versus 24 inches, mm-hmm. or are there range bands like, say, Infinity? Uh, there are range bands like Infinity. You've got um, three different delineations and different effectiveness in each delineation. Okay. So it'll be like this gun is this good in in this range and this good in this range, right? Exactly. Like, like he he mentioned earlier, right? You have the difference between a railgun and a flamethrower, and a railgun would be like a sniper rifle in Infinity, yep. where it's really good at long range and not as good as you close. Where a shotgun right. is useless; you can't even fire it outside of sixteen inches, but within eight is devastating. Right. Yeah. And that's what I, that's just why I wanted to clarify that. Right. Because it could either, like either way, it could just be like, Hey, your flamethrower is a four inch weapon and your rail gun's 34, you know? Yeah. They're spoiled in the Commonwealth. Our kind of faction specific weapon is a flat damage across the board. It doesn't matter if I'm physically like parked on top of your boat or if you're in the next zip code, it's a consistent damage, which is, always wow. easier to play with. Oh, nice. That's gross. Yeah, that is gross. Oh, yeah. It's a hoot. Very cool. Now, <laughs> so there's one thing that I've seen a lot in the game, and I don't know what it means, right? Like, you know how you, you'd be, like, looking at a game from afar and you, like, keep seeing a phrase and you don't know what it is? Uh, and my my thing for that this game is SRS. Can you talk about that for me? Well, that means things are getting serious. Oh, come on it now, Calvin. <laughs> Had to get one in. <laughs> fair, fair don't look, Barb. We've hit rock bottom. Fair play. <laughs> the acronym SRS <laughs> means short, short range squadrons. Uh-huh. It's a mixture of uh, fighters. It's a mixture of some kind of ship-borne asset that isn't big enough to justify existence by itself, but is viable in groups. So an SRS token isn't, you know, a dude and his jet fighter it's a dude and his jet fighter and his squadron buddies or if you're in the aligned it's a school of whales packed to the gills with explosives <laughs> okay all right sweet so it's yeah it's just it's a a weapon by a different name uh spartan used to track them differently where you've got different flavors of planes and we do that here as well but it's definitely simplified a lot. And so does, There's you, not a, does your faction dictate the rules for your SRS tokens, or do they all behave similarly? Largely, 
largely it's the same. Typically, SRSs can only do X, Y, and Z, only deploy so many inches, uh, so much attack, and behave in this way. Different factions flavor it differently. So, for the Commonwealth, uh, we have little bitty railguns on our fighters, and we can really make mincemeat of mass once. Uh, whereas the Enlightened, their actual plain SRSs behave differently because everyone is kind of hooked up to a hive mind. Um, and then there's whales, which are either explosive or assaulty, depending on what kind of flavor you get. Um, the Imperium have their aces squadron as well as their heavy bombers, which are terrifying. Each token getting five dice per token, as well as like an a laundry list of special words that uh, flavor the attack differently. Amazing. That sounds really cool. I like that. I like that they're, they are actually separate. And now that's very clear, clear what the role of them is and what they do. I was just like, what are these like little random tokens that come in the boxes? Um, You get a lot of the little back black bases. <laughs> you do get a lot of little black bases. Yep. Um, neat. So they don't, so they don't actually have like a miniature though. They do ish uh so you get a 50 mil base or 40 mil base i apologize and you get a base topper for it so each doom stack is a number of black bases equal to the amount of srs's on a given target topped with the topper that's relevant um right right typically it's a it's an ocean scene with a number with like three or four little planes on it very cool. All right. Makes sense. So, I like it. Paul, Chris, do you guys have any more questions? Uh, Things you want to know about? Uh, not me. Not me. I mean, I, I think, Calvin, you've given a very thorough yeah, yeah. Uh, rundown of the game. I'm mean, like, it, it, I, I'm, 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 as someone that doesn't like naval combat games, like the, the rules seem intriguing. I, I would love to see certain aspects of it moved into a miniatures game so i would play it but I, i'm happy that this game is so good from what you said and it's out there for people to enjoy that i like that style of game that, that makes me happy that something of this quality is out there it's neat because it's it's able to do mass combat without bogging down like an epic 40k where you've got your different squadrons of boats but you don't feel like it's a cluttered mess yeah everything behaves in a very similar pattern and it's just squads effectively super cool all right calvin mm -hmm. do you have anything that you uh this is where yeah, i like that we're gonna we're gonna roll into final thoughts um and calvin do you have anything that you want that you feel like you haven't had a chance to say or things that you want to still get off like talk about with regards to the game uh if you're fine with a shameless self-promotion um please we've got we've got a tournament coming down the pipes um i've worked with a couple other war hosts and as far as i know this is the first tournament in this edition and we're expecting oh, a shit. fairly sizable turnout um we're the uh valhalla is hosting us we've got a prize pool assembled i'm 3d printing awards so i spent more time sculpting that i am entirely happy admitting in public <laughs> and i'm i am just over the moon by how much people have given it a shot what 
talk to me talk to me about the tournament. What's the name of the tournament? Uh May Vol Supremacy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But um, we've hit rock bottom again. Like yeah. All right. So, Ma- don't so, look so Mabel, Mabel Supremacy is going to be happening yep. happening at Valhalla Hobby in Verona, Wisconsin, <laughs> which is actually under renovation to be a much bigger space for so for much May. space. Yeah, it's going to be a big, big shop in May. Um, do you have a? Is there a Facebook group or a Discord or something that you can plug that we can link so that people could get information about that if they were interested in traveling for it? Absolutely. I can uh link a uh invite to our Discord server. It's a it's the Greater Southeastern Wisconsin Dystopian Wars Club. Um it's very this, specific. Because <laughs> it started out as, you know, we just had three guys, myself, Pete right. and uh Richard, who are from Southeast Wisconsin. Yeah. And then we spread out. We're we've got yeah. international people who join in just because our level of crazy speaks to them. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. I can. That's also. I could also link a. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, link. A, I can also link a uh, like a poster to you guys as well, where it'll have a QR code and a picture of me with a bristling mustache. Perfect. Yeah, and and you what you All right, what, well yeah I want that too. I think we haven't <laughs> talked about yeah. Is, uh, Calvin definitely shows up in a in a, a, we'll say elaborate clothing for for boat days. <laughs> uh, he's definitely yeah. I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the pictures you posted on the Discord from your guys's last tournament. Yeah, and that's it's... like that's the that's the normal that's the normal Saturday boat day attire. I can attest. I have seen it. <laughs> it's a great group of lads. Yeah. Uh, the game has spread out and I'm super always so grateful to the other people who make it work. At the end of the day, I'm just a loud guy who just screams his thoughts in the middle distance and people showed up to see what all the fr- what all the fuss was about. And then they stayed. And now if you're in the dystopian wars club that I put on, if you want to get into a fight on the weekends, there is no shortage of options and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Super, super cool. All right. Now, Calvin, for your final thoughts, sir, what what is a, the last one to two sentences you'd like to, to get off your chest? I'm safe to approach in public. And if you do approach me, you can play boats. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. My final thought for this episode is that I had I, – it's funny. I had considered uh, actually giving my box to a local that I have because I know he plays the faction. But suddenly I am rethinking about painting the models that I have assembled in this box um, because – uh, it's just, it seems like a fun thing and I have been wanting, you know, I've been wanting like a new thing. Right. And so this does seem like kind of like a good spot for me in terms of money, in terms of painting effort, in terms of hobby too. So maybe, maybe it'll be, well, and, it's, and it's unique. It is unique. Yeah. All right. And pick a uh, weekend, my dude, yeah. I will find us a table and I will absolutely teach you the newest for, excitement. Yeah, for sure. Paul, how about you? Um, I, I'm going to keep my eye on this because I think this uh, is is super fascinating. Um, you know, at the very least, I, I, I want to see how the game develops over time because I, I do know that War Cradle is, is really pushing it. I, they've even um, Lost World Exodus, 
I know Stewart said that it wasn't, it's not even due out this year. Like they are not planning on putting that out this year. Yeah. Cause they're focused um, on TW. Yeah. 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 They're hardcore into boats and, uh, I mean, that's smart of them because you're right. Their, their main competition is, uh, bad warlord games. Yes. Or, <laughs> yeah. um, um, you know, Armada or, you know, like golden age of sale games. You're right. You're so they're in a really right. unique spot. Yeah. They don't, they, like, where, whereas, well, you know, Wild West Exodus, they're competing with Infinity, Malifaux, Marvel mm-hmm. Crisis Protocol, like every game in that size range. And they have no competition here. That's one of the neater parts about the game is that the rules have been growing constantly. The devs are super in tune with the community and listen for feedback. So there's no waiting seven months for a broken unit to get patched or a useless unit to be validated. That's really cool. The rules have grown and I would argue have improved every single time a new orbat has come out stuff has changed for sure you know there's oh i wanted that boat to be cheaper or i wanted plus citadel on this but there's been no bad updates there hasn't ever been a city fight expansion equivalent for dystopian wars <laughs> and, and i mean the thing is though like we you're, you're talking to three guys who really like games where where this happens right where the the company who makes the game isn't afraid, especially if the game is a living game, isn't afraid to change things on the fly to make it better for the player community, especially when the culture around the game is that you before you go to play or as you're thinking about playing, you look and check for the newest Orbat, right? Yep. Hmm. It's, it's really That's helpful. It's really neat. The devs are super attentive and you usually have at least half a dozen war hosts going to bat for you in the uh, rules feedback and discussion. It's a very lively community. Neat. All right. Now, Chris, final thoughts. Uh, I mean, I think I'll parrot what I said earlier. Like, I mean, I, I don't think the game's for me, but the, the rule system sounds solid. Um, everything I'm hearing about how the love that War Cradle is showing this game sounds amazing and I, I am definitely glad it's out there for people that like this style of oh, game. Hell yeah. All right. Um, Paul, you want to read us out? Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for, to uh, the Mad Admiral Calvin for coming and hanging out with us and telling us about his favorite game. Um, we're glad to have you. Uh, go to Valhalla or Comics Games and Things and buy lots of stuff from Noah because he's the bomb. Uh, thanks to Static as a City for the music. And uh, thanks especially to all of our patrons and everybody that's on the Discord. And you should absolutely come join the Discord because you can meet people like Calvin. <laughs> you scare them off. <laughs> <laughs> right. And my, my throat is pretty sore, so we're, we're just going to get a bye. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Well, let, let's... Calvin, do the bye. Do do the chops bye for us. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Oh man, hilarious. Yeah. Perfect. 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 I mean, at least. uh, Bye.